This is a, it's a heavy topic. It's a heavy beginning to the service, isn't it? Just seeing this video and, and what people go through in the rest of the world. Today we are in the last, the last message in our series called The Opposite Way. And today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5 verse 10 where Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted. I just want to tell you before we, before I even start this morning, how how utterly inadequate I feel to to bring this message. You know, when you see that video and you see see what people go through. In other parts of the world, it's really hard to comprehend, isn't it? It's hard to, to put yourself into, into their shoes where we live in a place where we live in and enjoy a level of freedom that allows us to sit here together publicly, to, uh, to carry our Bibles around and to, to come here to enjoy each other, to enjoy worshiping together, uh, to enjoy uh, singing, singing to God together. And, and we have no fear of, of repercussions for that. Do you know that more Christians have died for their faith in the last hundred years than in the 2,000 years of church history prior to that combined? And so often we think we live in a day and age where, where we've gone beyond that. We've, as, as, a, as humanity, we've reached a level of, of tolerance and understanding more Christians, more followers of Jesus have died in the last hundred years than in the preceding 2,000 years combined. This happens. We just, we're just not aware of it because we live so sheltered and in an in a, in a environment of freedom and peace. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Again, this is, I think this is the most difficult of the Beatitudes. I know it's the most difficult for me to, to speak on. It was the most difficult for me to, to prepare. Because what do I know about persecution? I don't know if any of you have, have really actually experienced persecution in your life. I'm pretty sure that probably none of us, maybe one or two, have experienced persecution on, on that level where, where our freedom, our livelihood, our, our life is actually in danger. The opposite way. We, we call it the series on the Beatitudes, the opposite way. Because Jesus is presenting a way of life, a perspective on life that is so contrary to the perspective on life back then and to the perspective of life that, that most of us have, that we grow up in, in our culture. I just want to quickly set the stage again for what Jesus is saying here in the Beatitudes. For the last time, I know this is repetitive, but I know we have new people every week. And I think it's good for us to repeat um, what we're talking about here. So Matthew chapter 5 is the first recorded public teaching of Jesus. It's very early in his ministry. He has just started calling disciples. He started ministering in the region of northern Israel that he grew up in. He started healing people and word started to spread. It started to 
to spread in all of Israel and beyond the borders into Syria and other countries. And tons and tons of people desperate for healing because they heard of this miracle worker, this man who set people free from, from demonic oppression. He, they heard him healing people that were blind and lame and, and, and whatever other diseases they had. And so tons and tons of people came to find this man, Jesus of Nazareth, to desperately seek his touch and his healing in their lives. And so in this situation here in Mark chapter 5, what's called the Sermon on the Mount, he's, he's giving this, this sermon, this, this preaching on, on the side of a hill in Galilee where all these people have gathered. And he's talking to people desperate for help in their lives. And it's to them that he says, blessed are. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And then lastly, blessed are those who are persecuted. And this word blessed again, let me repeat that one more time. This word blessed means more than what we mean when we say bless you, <laughs> when you sneeze on me. Um, and I say, well, I hope you get better so you don't get me sick. When we, when we say bless or, or bless your heart, you know, we mean, oh, I hope you're okay. And, and I hope you're happy. I hope you're comfortable. The word blessed that Jesus used here was a shock to the people that heard it in that context. Because it had the, it had the, the, the connotation of, of something divine. Something that really wouldn't happen until we're actually in heaven, in God's presence. It had to do with a... With a divine favor that people would receive and so divine favor on you who are poor in spirit those who mourn those who meek was was a completely new way of looking at things the opposite way it wasn't looking at your circumstances here now it was looking at God in spite of your circumstances, getting a perspective on, on the life that God has for you in eternity rather than the, the perspective on life here and now in these circumstances. Blessed, Jesus says, not because you're poor in spirit, not blessed because you mourn, not blessed because you're meek or because you hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed because of me in the midst of those circumstances. You're blessed because of what I, God's son, can do for and with you in spite of your circumstances. That's what Jesus is telling these people. And then he says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Persecution. Again, I already said, I'm, I doubt that any of us have really experienced the level of persecution that we looked at in the video. Here's my extent of persecution that I've experienced that was very traumatic for me. I grew up in a Christian household, in a Christian home. Both my parents were, were devoted followers of Jesus and were very verbal about it. And they had on the back of our car a gigantic, it wasn't a bumper sticker, it was a rear windshield sticker. It was like yay big, I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating. It was all across the back window of our car. And it said, Jesus, very big and bold, the only hope for you. That's the car that I got dropped off at school every morning with. You laugh. I've seen a counselor about this. You, you're still laughing. It's true. I'm still carrying the wounds of that. I'm telling you, whenever I messed up in class, 
whenever the teacher would call me up and I, I wouldn't measure up, you know what I would hear from my classmates? Well, Christian, obviously Jesus is the only hope for you. <laughs> that, that's the level of my persecution. And I'll tell you, it was uncomfortable. It was painful at times. I was ashamed. I was ashamed and I felt, I felt singled out. I felt a level of, of persecution. But again, it's, it's humorous because it's so nothing compared to what these guys go through in, in countries that aren't open to open expressions of, of faith. And you know, it's, it's really interesting to me that this message lines up with July 24th. Blessed are the persecuted. Because July 24th, the very day that, that Utah celebrates today, Pioneer Day, really is, is the result of persecution. The very place we live in, Salt Lake City, the, the existence of this city is based on persecution of the Mormons early on. Now, let me tell you, I'm not making any statement about theological beliefs. We obviously have significant differences in, in what we believe, but it's the context that we live in. It's the context of the celebration that's going on in this state today or tomorrow, since it's Sunday. Um, it's, no, 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 I'm not, okay, I'm not making fun at all, not in the least bit, but it's the, it's the very celebration of today. I actually, a, a friend of mine who grew up in the LDS context says really Pioneer Day celebration really more so than the arrival in this valley celebrates the, the fact that there was persecution. So it's the context of the place we live in and it's the context of the date today, July 24th. It's a really hard beatitude for us to understand. I think it was hard to understand for the people who were listening to Jesus at the time. While he was saying to them, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. I don't think right then they understood really what Jesus was talking about. For, for the Jews, the context of this was that they as a nation of, of Israel, as a people of Israel, were under oppression of Roman occupation. So I'm pretty sure that for them in the context then that they were thinking about their persecution as a people under the occupation of the Romans was what was what they were thinking about. They were thinking about the social injustices they were enduring and and perceiving that and experiencing that as persecution. And if you if you read this this verse out of context and you just say, okay, blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven it would be easy to draw the conclusion that because we, we might ex- endure difficult circumstances, that, that on the other end of life, God is going to reward us. Because we're not really comfortable here right now, but God's going to reward us later. None of that is really the context of what Jesus is saying here. And this is the only beatitude that's actually explained further. All the others are one-liners. Blessed are those for this will happen. But this one, Jesus actually explains further. So let's, let's go back there. If you have your Bibles with you, open them up to Matthew chapter 5. I know a lot of you have them on your smartphone devices. Um, fire those up. Matthew chapter 5. Let's read again verses 10, and then we'll go on to verses 11 and 12. Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
And then he explains further, blessed are you when people insult you, insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Now that is just plain weird. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus goes on to explain this in more detail. In verse 10, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. What, what that word righteousness means is it's to be right with God, to be in a right relationship with God as, as his creation. And, and the Gospels, the New Testament tells us that the only way to be in that right relationship with God is the person of Jesus Christ. That that is the very purpose why Jesus came, is to help you and me to be restored into a right relationship with God. To bridge that gap that's there between us and God because of the sin in our lives that separates us from a holy God. And Jesus came to pay the price for what stands between us and God and to, to make it possible again for us to be in that right relationship with him And God says, Jesus says, blessed are those of you who are persecuted because you are right with God. Now, remember, this is at the very beginning of his ministry. Then he goes on in verse 12 and says, blessed are those who are persecuted. He says, blessed are you if you're persecuted when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. So he's, he's specifying what does persecution look like? He says, this looks like this. You're going to get insulted. You're going to get persecuted. That can mean lots of things. That can mean physical harm. That can mean death. And he says, you will be falsely accused. People will say all kinds of evil against you. So he's saying, this is what this persecution will look like. And then he clarifies righteousness. He says, because of me. He, so what he's saying here, very early on in his ministry, he says, I am the one who is righteousness. This was, this was shocking for the people who would have heard that because they would have known. Okay, he just said, we'll be persecuted for righteousness. In the next sentence, he says, we'll be persecuted because of him, equating himself with righteousness, equating himself with God, claiming to be righteousness. The other thing that, that must have been puzzling to the disciples is why, why would we be persecuted because of him? See, up until this point, very early here in his ministry, Jesus was super popular. I mean, people, he had groupies, literally. I mean, people are coming from other countries to, to see him, to be touched by him, to listen to him speak, to listen to him teach and, and heal. They must have thought, now what, what's going on? He's super popular. Look at these thousands of people here coming from all over to hear him speak. Why would we be persecuted because of him? And I think Jesus is already setting the stage for the rest of his life. And he's already setting the stage for the people listening to him saying, I know right now it's really hip to hang around me. <laughs> That's going to change. He's already setting people up, the disciples then, and you and me through, the, through his word here, that following him committedly will lead to opposition. He's already setting his disciples, his followers up for the cost of following him. He's saying, I will be the reason for your hardship. 
Later on, he, he does the same thing. Let's go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, actually 13 through 17 is the last evening that Jesus spends with his disciples before he's arrested. He's setting them up for his departure. He's telling them the things they need to know before he he leaves, before he's arrested and, and executed. And this is what he tells them in chapter 15, John chapter 15. I'm going to read verse 18 and then 20 and 21. John chapter 15, verse 18, he says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Verse 20, he says, If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. Basically, a parallel passage to what he says at the very beginning of his ministry. He tells them, this is what's going to happen. Because of me, people will persecute you. And that means they will accuse you. They will, they will haul insults at you. They will physically come after you. It seems, it seems that Jesus is saying to his disciples here that following him will in inevitably lead to opposition. That following him wholeheartedly will inevitably lead to hardship. And the rest of Jesus' life tells that story. The rest of Jesus' life shows that his righteousness always caused opposition. And here's why. Righteousness lived out will always expose unrighteousness. That's why Jesus is called the light of the world. Because his light sheds light into darkness it exposes hidden things righteousness will always expose unrighteousness jesus by living righteously exposed the righteousness especially of the religious establishment that seemed so righteous that seemed to have it all together but jesus by living selflessness exposed selfishness jesus by living humility exposed pride Jesus, by living righteousness, exposed self-righteousness. And what Jesus is saying to the disciples and what he's saying to us, if you follow me, if you follow my example, not by working hard and, and doing all the right things in your own strengths, but by allowing me to come into your life, by allowing me to fill you with my spirit, then my righteousness in you will expose the unrighteousness around you. Not by you and me pointing fingers and judging people and, and so on, but by, by just allowing Jesus to live his life in and through yours. His righteousness will inevitably expose unrighteousness around you. I don't know about you. I don't like to be exposed. <laughs> Do you? You know what my natural tendency is when I get exposed, when I get confronted on something? I lash back. <laughs> That's my, ten, that's my human tendency. I, I, I want to counterattack. And that's what happens. Opposition will rise up. So again, it, our setting here today in 2011 in Salt Lake City in the United States in the Western Hemisphere, we live pretty free and in peace. No, we don't, again, we don't, we don't live the kind of threats because of our faith that others do. 
But let's not kid ourselves. If we take our faith in Jesus seriously, if we follow him wholeheartedly, the Bible says there will be persecution. There will be ridicule. There will be insults. Let's go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter four, verses 12 and 13. This is really interesting. He says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. I like that, that first verse. It's almost, almost humorous. It says, don't be surprised as if something strange is happening. If you're opposed because you live out your faith in Jesus, you live out your relationship with Christ, don't be surprised that that's hard. Don't be surprised you're, you're opposed. Jesus told us about it. I think what's really important to remember is that that persecution, that those insults, that that, that opposition should be there because of righteousness. It should be there because of righteousness, not because we're foolish. Let's stay in First Peter and go to chapter 4. Well, I should have stayed in First Peter. Here, First Peter chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, Peter says this. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as, Christi- as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. What he's saying is, if you suffer, don't, don't suffer because you've done things that are wrong. Don't suffer because you're a murderer or you're a liar or you're somebody who causes conflicts. Let's make sure that if we, if we suffer for Jesus, that it's for doing the right things. That it's actually for righteousness. And historically, I think the church and followers of Jesus have suffered because... We've made mistakes because we've, we've misrepresented Jesus. And then we want to get all self-righteous and, and pitiful because, oh, look what I'm suffering. Well, it's not necessarily because you've done the right things, but we've misrepresented Jesus. I, I don't know if you've watched the news the last couple of days and saw what happened in Norway. This unbelievable attack with a bomb downtown that they just found two more bodies. I think the the body count is over 90 now, 92. And initially, the reports were that this was probably some extreme Islamic uh, attack on on Norway. You know what I read yesterday and this morning? That this man apparently was a Norwegian national who is part of some fundamental Christian right-wing group who felt theologically justified And killing 90 plus people. Representing Jesus. (laughs) He might be sitting in jail now thinking, well, I did what I was supposed to do and I'm suffering for my faith. (laughs) That's not suffering for righteousness. Because God tells us, do not murder. He tells us, do not judge. Let's make sure that if we... (laughs) suffer for Jesus in whatever way that, that whatever shape or, that, or form that takes in our context here. 
let's make sure it's for really following Jesus. Let's make sure it's not for misrepresenting him with a wrong sense of zeal. Let's go back to Matthew 5.10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for they, theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed. He's talking about a divine favor to those who suffer persecution for their faith in Jesus, for their faithfulness to Jesus. I think there's three main reasons why Jesus says we're blessed if we suffer in any shape or form for Jesus individually and as a church. And let's just make clear in our context, what, what does it look like suffering for him? It, it might mean we need to stand up in the context of our workplace for, for doing what is right. No, I, you know, I worked with my father for three years before I went to Bible college. He was an architect. And oftentimes, as an architect who, who gave away contracts to contractors and so on, he, had, he would have had the opportunity, and I was present at some of those meetings, to, to take a little bit of something under the table, to hand, a, hand something to a certain company, or to, to do something that wasn't quite honest. And, and, and he would have to confront people on the site for not doing things right, to cut corners or save money here or there, and... and uh, go behind the back of a of a uh, an owner or whatever and and I saw him more than once multiple times just stand up for what is right I said no no we're not doing that that's not right and he suffered consequences for that he suffered insults and and ridicule now that's again compared to life our lives being in danger is is very little but that's probably the context that you and I live in where we maybe confront things that aren't right and were, were accused of being backwards or, or living in the last century and, and were, were being ridiculed. That's probably the context most of us live in. But historically, I think there's, there's three reasons why we should consider ourselves blessed in the face of persecution. The first one I think we, we see right away in the early church is that persecution always grows the church. And that's strange, isn't it? You would think that persecution, when there's actual danger, when people suffer painful consequences for living out their faith, that that would shrink the church. But historically and biblically, we see that it always grows the church. Let's go to Acts, the story of the early church right after Jesus died and, and left the disciples. In, um, in Acts chapter 8, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Now, this is in the context of Jesus telling his disciples before he left that you will be my witnesses. He says, you will talk about me here in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the, of the earth. That was his mandate for them. Talk about me. Talk about who I was and what I've done in your lives. And, and do that right here and then go out and, and, and do it in, uh, in this region, in this country, and to the ends of the, of the earth. And then this is what we read in chapter 8 of Acts. Verses 1 through 5. On that day, this was the day that Stephen, one of the leaders of the early church, got, got um, executed for his faith. He got stoned to death by a guy called Saul. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. 
Godly man buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul, the guy who was in charge of executing Stephen, began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered because of this persecution preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed uh, the Christ there. So what we see here, Jesus had told the disciples, guys, once you receive the Holy Spirit, which they had, you need to go and tell people because I'm going to equip you. I'm going to give you the strength and the power to do that and the courage to do that. But the disciples were still sitting in Jerusalem, fearful probably, and having their, this is, this is what I will call the first church holy huddle. You know what a holy huddle is? It's when we as followers of Jesus, we, we put our arms around each other and we make a tight circle and we swing and we sing Kumbaya and we're so, so happy and comfortable with each other. It's our holy huddle and we're so comfy with each other. It seems that here in, in Acts chapter 8, God is allowing persecution to happen in the church because they had so far failed to obey what Jesus had told them to do, to say, go out of Jerusalem into Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. They were still hunkering down in Jerusalem. And what happens? The first result of this persecution is they are scattered throughout where? Judea and Samaria. So God uses this persecution that was heavy. This guy Saul and his troops, they were breaking into homes, grabbing people and executing them. It led to the disciples scattering and preaching what Jesus had told them to preach in the surrounding areas and countries. And by the way, the guy Saul, he's Paul who wrote most of our New Testament. The guy responsible for the early persecution of the church had an encounter with Jesus later on that led his life completely uh, turned it around to the point where he became the leader of the early church and suffered persecution himself heavily. Persecution historically and biblically always grows the church. We see it today in China, actually. In China, where the church is probably more persecuted than anywhere else on the globe, it grows at a rate that is unprecedented in history, and it's the fastest growing church anywhere on the globe. And they're meeting in secret, in homes, and in businesses. The second reason, and I think it flows out of the first one, the second reason why I think God allows persecution and why he says you're blessed in the midst of it is because it purifies the church. And I think that is one of the reasons why it grows. A few weeks ago, two weeks ago, I think we talked about the, the, um, the beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart. And I talked about what purification means and, and how God purifies our hearts for him. God also purifies us as a church. And he often does that by allowing hardships within the church, by allowing whatever level of persecution, because it purifies and refines us as a church. Because let's be honest, would, would you and I be here if we weren't safe here right now? Would, would you and I be here this morning if our lives were actually in danger by coming here? What we probably would have done early on this morning is we would have pointed out the exits. Guys, this is where you can get out quick here and 
over the stage and the back entrances and and we would have come here in secret and looked over our shoulder before we would come in here. Can you even imagine that? The question is, would you and I, would we have the commitment to Christ to still follow him if our lives were in danger by doing that? See, when, when, when persecution happens, there's no more room for playing church. There's, there's really no more room for, for coming to church on Sunday morning. Well, because it's a family tradition. And because maybe I hear an inspiring talk, unless it's today and we talk about persecution. <laughs> Would we be here? I think it's a good question for you and for me to ask ourselves. Of course, I would be here. I get paid to be here. No. But would we be here? Persecution refines and through that strengthens the church. And then thirdly, persecution, strangely enough, always brings about opportunities to actually talk about Jesus. Persecution, when we're challenged in our faith, in whatever way that is, it gives us an opportunity to explain why we believe what we believe, why we hold on to Jesus, why he is more important than circumstances that we live in, why he is more important than our comfort and our peace and our safety. Let's go to Luke 21. In Luke 21, Jesus talks about, again, he talks about being persecuted and suffering for his sake. In Luke 21, and I didn't write down the exact verse, so I'm going to have to look for it real quick. Verse 12, following. He's, and he's actually talking about the end, the end of times when persecution will, will be more prevalent again. He says, before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. They will deliver you to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors, all on account of my name. This will result in your being witness to them. See, our being challenged for our faith and for the way we live as followers of Jesus gives you and I an opportunity to explain why we believe what we believe. It gives us an opportunity to explain what Jesus has done in your life and in my life. Blessed are those who are persecuted. You know, it's really about a different perspective. I said that in the beginning. All of these Beatitudes are about having an, a different perspective on life. A perspective that isn't on, on our current circumstances here and now. A, a perspective that Jesus gives us that is, that's, that's at, at eternity with him. And really, this last Beatitude, blessed are those who are persecuted... Is, is really at the core of that. That our perspective shouldn't be on the comfort and safety of our lives here and now. But that it should be about the security, the salvation of our lives in Jesus. A lot of you might have heard of a missionary called Jim Elliott. He is a young missionary went to Ecuador. He felt God's call to, to go and, and bring the gospel of Jesus to a native tribe in Ecuador. And he started making contact, he and three other friends, and make, made some friendly contact with those natives. But eventually that turned, actually fairly quickly. And all four of their bodies were found killed um, by that tribe. And a couple of years earlier, Elliot had written in his journal, 
a quote said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep. And he's talking about our lives. He says, our lives aren't ours to keep. Jesus tells us to lay down our lives for him. And all of us know our lives aren't there to keep. All of our lives will end. He says, he's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And what we cannot lose is our eternal relationship with God through Jesus. That's the perspective that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 5. That's the opposite way. That's the opposite way of looking at life. It's a different perspective where comfort and safety here is not the priority, but eternal, the per, per, eternal perspective becomes a priority. What Jesus is saying here in Matthew 5.10 is, you are blessed if you're persecuted for my name's sake because you're mine. <laughs> Because that persecution shows you are mine and you will spend eternity with me. That's what he's saying. I want to ask the band to come up as we close. And I want to read one more verse to you. And this was my, my father's theme verse. His life's verse. It's Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16 says... I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It's because of that verse that he had that gigantic sticker on his car. That made me ashamed. But you know what? He was not. He didn't care if people thought he was weird because he loved Jesus. He didn't care about his reputation because he loved Jesus. He had that sticker on the car, not to ridicule me or to make me ashamed. He had that sticker on his car. Because he knew it was more important for people to know that there is hope in Jesus than his reputation was. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I think that is at the very heart of our willingness to suffer whatever might come our way. And some of us might never really encounter huge opposition. The question really is, are you willing Am I willing? Am I ashamed of the gospel? Am I ashamed to take a stand for Jesus? Am I ashamed to take a stand for what is right? Or am I going to hold on to what I believe to be true, to what I have experienced to be true, namely that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's forgiven me, that he's given me freedom and forgiveness and new life. And is it important enough for me that the world knows that? That people who haven't heard about him hear about him? Would you and I be willing? Probably none of you, none of us, you or me, will probably not face the prospect of death for our faith. 
But are we willing? Are we willing to be insulted, lied about, ridiculed for Jesus' sake? See, if Jesus is your life, if he is your comfort, then our physical life and comfort becomes less important in the light of a world that needs to know about Jesus. Despite of the opposition that we will face, whatever it looks like, will we hold on? Will you hold on? Will I hold on? I hope so.